first released my first book, I had no idea how to promote it. I made all the classic mistakes. Online toys, I paid for reviews, and even ran ads. Nothing really seemed to work except for promoting myself through family, friends, and podcasts. So, with Writing Away with Kelly, I'm here to help you, the author, promote the book you have worked so hard to finish. Welcome to another episode of Writing Away with Kelly. Thank you so much to everyone who has been supportive of this podcast. It has been so fun. I have met so many fun and exciting people that I started doing the same thing on my Let's Get Wicked Deep, a dating podcast, where each week you can meet a new dating coach and learn some new stuff on that end. But today, I'm excited about this author. It's not that I'm not excited about other authors, but I'm excited because I'm going to be talking to you guys or bringing a book to you guys that sort of is close to how I feel about a lot of different things. And I think we write in different ways. We write about different things um, in the way that's the most comfortable to us. A few shows ago, we had someone who wrote a book because she couldn't find what she needed to read. So she wrote it. And in a sense, kind of feel like this is on the same page. But anyway, let's welcome to the show, Emma Desi. I am so excited. I, I, I paused there because you know I was worried about saying your name wrong. But she is the uh, author of More Than Enough. And not only is she an author, but she is also a book coach. So everyone, listen closely to today's episode because she's a book coach. More information on that later. But thank you, Emma, for uh, joining us from across the pond today. <laughs> You're absolutely welcome. I'm delighted to be here. Um, and yes, I'm across the pond. I'm in Scotland. I'm in Edinburgh, Scotland's capital. So yay, the magic of technology, hey? <laughs> it really, it is really, um, it is really amazing how we can talk to so many people and get to know all kinds of different people using technology. So I want your or our listeners today to hear more about more than enough more than enough um is a fiction book but mm. um let's hear more about this book and how you came up with this concept so more than enough it's a contemporary women's fiction story and um, i've noticed that i i tend to be attracted to the slightly slightly darker side of women's lives and um and this one is uh, about a woman who has a an addiction to alcohol and the reason I wanted to write about this character is, I don't know about you, but for a long time, and I think a lot of people still do have a preconception about what an alcoholic is. It's the brown paper bag. It's homeless. Often it's an, an older man. Um, so there's all these kind of preconceptions. But what I noticed about my own life was that many of us mums, wine o'clock had become a thing and a lot of mums were sort of heading to the bottle earlier and earlier and earlier in the day and um not that every mum is an alcoholic but I just noticed that there there was a lot of alcohol wine particularly consumed and I was interested in the just this dichotomy because these are women who are professional they're raising families they are keeping a home together they have a social life they're often working as well 
holding everything together but at the same time there's a lot of alcohol consumed and I certainly was one of those and I noticed over the years that my alcohol consumption increased 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 until for me maybe not for other people but for me it became a problem and I realized I needed to do something it took me a long time to get there but eventually I made the decision to stop drinking and um, it's nearly my three-year anniversary so it's a huge a huge deal for me so I'm very excited but the kind of author side of me wanted to explore this wanted to explore what is it like for a woman who does have from the outside this perfect life you know is a professional wearing the heels got the house the car the holidays the whole shebang but is still struggling internally with um with an addiction with an addiction to something that is so socially acceptable and that most people take part in um or have a relationship with in some way and so i just wanted to explore that and so karen who is the main character in this story she's a secondary school teacher a high school teacher um she's on the promotion ladder she's expected to be made the head or the principal teacher but her alcohol gets the better of her and her life starts to tumble out of control and um so i wanted to kind of explore what happens when when our lives do tumble out of control um despite our best efforts you know it's um <clears throat> the one thing that you said that is still sticking out in my mind right now is um exploring the darker side of women and i think i don't know that i've ever met any woman that did not have a darker side <laughs> i think it's it's something that's more common than we think but when we think about women we don't think that we think you know, women are always strong. They always have it together. They know what they're doing. They, you know, always know where the shoes are if you're a mom. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, they can control so many different things and make it look so easy. Mm -hmm. But it's the other side that we don't see. Like, what is it that can make, not all women, of course, but, you know, some women continuously do that. And for some, it is alcohol. For others, it is uh, some kind of maybe a food addiction or, some kind of um, pills that they may take to kind of keep them going. And it's, it's such a thing that we don't really talk about often enough because you're so right. When we hear alcoholic, we go straight to the alcohol in the brown paper bag, which I thought that was just in America, but apparently it's in Scotland as well. <laughs> yeah. um, so it's, it's interesting to, to hear this. So with your experience and the experiences you write with your main character, Karen, how much of you would the readers be able to see within Karen? Oh, good question. I'm hoping not a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, where would the parallels be? The parallels would be uh, being a professional woman, being um, somebody who is on the outside holding it all together, who seems to have everything in check and knows what she's about, doesn't have insecurities and is confident in the world. I think that's where the similarities are. I, I think, um, well, I'm certainly a professional woman. I am a mother. I am working. I've been told, you know, that I always come across as a very confident person. But inside, you know, mm. I know I've got the same neuroses, the same nerds as everybody else. Um, perhaps just better at hiding it. <laughs> um, yeah. So certainly that's where the, the, the similarities are. Karen's life does take a tumble much further than mine does. Um, you know, she falls, she's arrested. Um, so she spends a night in jail. A few other things happen. And um, 
she she loses everything basically or she's certainly on the verge of losing everything she loses a lot and she nearly loses her husband and her family but she needs to find a way to pull back and and make a decision is it her family or is it the bottle what is she going to choose um so that thankfully i've not had that in my own life but you know mm. funnily enough i could um I could picture a time when I might have to make that decision. I've got alcoholism on both sides of my family, my mum and my dad's side, and I've seen what it can do. And there was just something in my, the back of my brain that said, Emma, do you know what? Addictive personalities are in your family. Do you want to go down this route or do you want to... Uh, do you want to put a halt on this now while you still can? And I'm so, so grateful that that voice in the back of my head said, make a choice and I made the choice before it got too late so um so I could see that happening in the future I knew it was it was something that was possible for me just as it's possible for anybody really so in a in a way it could be Karen's spiral would sort of be like what possibly could have happened if you weren't able to pick up your pieces yeah I think so um you know it's it's easy I, I come from a I live in a, a very affluent middle class uh, area and lifestyle and life feels so so secure you know I feel mm. like we're, I'm very secure in my lifestyle but th that could go you know if I made too many wrong decisions and it's not about being a good or a bad person sometimes we just make the wrong decisions and if I'd continued down a path of alcohol I feel I may have made one bad decision after another after another and like anybody you know I could have ended up in a very difficult situation where I had even harder decisions to make much like Karen did does in the book mm. yeah I think like a, I think a, the biggest thing that you said there was um, acknowledging and recognizing and sort of admitting that both sides of your family came with addictive personalities mm. um, and that's something that a lot of people don't don't really recognize until it's too late or if you have kind of both sides with that going on or even one side and it's sometimes people can see that and see what it does like alcohol or drugs or any kind of addiction will do to their family and they're like I do not want to do that personally on on my end I had I have I have an addictive personality so I knew that if I went down the road of something as simple you could say to a degree as smoking marijuana I would not have been able to stop mm -hmm. I know this about myself so when I came face to face with my own addiction in the same way you're talking about it I knew that if I did not stop when I did my life was probably going to Karen as well <laughs> completely spiral you know because it was it was on that way mm -hmm. so it's it's very brave to admit it's very brave to write about. And I think it's also, and I don't know how you feel about this, but maybe sort of therapeutic to write out what could have possibly happened and just make yourself feel like, you know what, this is what could have happened, but I stopped this and I'm so grateful, but I was able to stop. Not everyone can. So I'm going to play this out so other people can see what will happen if they continue going down this road. Absolutely, 100%. Definitely therapeutic is is the word. And I think it was important for me, though, to write the story after I'd been through it, you know, after I'd, I'd stopped drinking, because then I could look back with it, look back on it a bit more objectively, and I could see, I could see the bigger picture. I think if I'd been writing mm -hmm. the story whilst I was going through it, it would have been a very different type of story. 
Um, and so I hope that I've told this one. It's not from a moralistic point of view. I really hope I haven't done that. But just a really, you know, what happens next? What happens next with Karen when she continues to make one bad decision after another until finally she she's at the end of the road and, um, you know, she's got nowhere left to go. So she's forced to um, confront her demons, which for some people that can come like Karen it can come a bit too late can't it and then you're in the quagmire and it's much harder to get out it really is it's it's interesting how you um how you said wine o'clock so mm-hmm. when I moved to the area that I live in which sounds a lot like the community you live in when my my kids are now older and moved out but when we were doing the practices and the PTO and you know all this other stuff I saw a lot of the moms with who would say it wine o'clock or uh, mommy juice yeah. was the thing that I heard a lot, you know, all these different terminologies to have them drink. And some of the people that I knew personally would drink throughout the day. And by the time their husband came home, it was like, Oh, I'm going to enjoy this one <laughs> glass of wine. And it's like, mm, that's not correct. <laughs> Yeah, you've been drinking. I saw you drinking at football practice. What are you? That was me. About? That was and definitely it, me. Yeah, and then the then the hiding yeah. of the of how much you've drunk happens, and trying to sneak the mm-hmm. bottles into the bin before anybody notices. Yeah, no, that was definitely me. And I recognise though that there are other mums who equally would have that drink at three or four o'clock in the afternoon to be social and then mm. were able to put it away and that was them they were fine that they were happy with that but I and I've been like this ever since I first started drinking I would keep on going keep on going once I'd had that first glass or two there was just no stopping and so I would be like you're describing trying to kind of look and f- behave entirely sober when hubby comes back from work and oh yeah yeah shall we share a glass <laughs> yeah. pouring yeah. an extra large yeah. glass for me and a slightly smaller glass for him <laughs> yeah uh, yeah it's it's interesting because I also and I wasn't because of my addictive personality I didn't drink wine it wasn't until I say a few years ago when I started to actually get the taste for it and my palate is still not where it should be. I still think a lot of wine tastes like band-aids. And I'm like, mm. <laughs> so I prefer if I do drink one, I prefer the the sweet wine. People make fun of me for it, but the stuff they're drinking tastes like band-aids. And I'm like, I don't want that. <laughs> so it's it's interesting because um as moms it is stressful and we don't check on other moms enough because it's a competition. Like little Johnny did this, little Susie's doing this, what's your kid doing? What's your, what's your kid doing? And it's like, oh, my goodness. So I would watch a lot of this unfold where it would turn into a book club. And then you go after you had read the book. No one read the book. And they're just like, <laughs> yeah, we're not doing this. They would have wine tasting parties and all these other different things. And I'm like, what is going on to the point where I wouldn't do it because it wasn't like my thing. Um, but I saw a lot of people succumb to that. And it's and it's really it's it's tough to watch. But also at the same time, being a mom of three kids with now an ex-husband that worked a lot, it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's it's hard to do. And then on top of it, not just the kids and the three different personalities, but it's also society and how your kids should behave and what the other parents are doing. And it's a lot. Moms have a lot of pressure and people yeah. don't understand that. They don't acknowledge yeah. it. But when a mom like Karen you know, goes down a dark path. It's like, oh, look at what she did. You know, like, oh, oh, I would never do that. So it's it's a very 
it's a very tough thing. So when you were writing this and you came up with the name Karen, um, <laughs> how did you come up with that? I'm dying to know. <laughs> well, I'll say it's funny. It's funny you ask that. I ummed and ahed about naming her Karen because, of course, it's it's around the time. I published it around the time the whole Karen meme was going around and are you a Karen or are you not? And, uh, and so I did talk to friends about it and think, you know, should I get, change her name? But the reason I chose the name was that was, given her age, that was a popular name in Scotland at the time that she was born. So there are kind of Karens around of her age. Um, <laughs> so this got nothing to do with the Karen meme. And I figured, you know what, that'll pass. <laughs> but my I don't know. still be here. <laughs> I'm surprised. I just, again, like, I'm so, like, I don't know why I think like other countries don't acknowledge the same stuff that we do. But I'm surprised to hear that you guys have Karens in Scotland because we <laughs> have them everywhere. It's like, and I feel bad for the nice people who are named Karen. It's like, oh, my gosh, that's so funny. So what was what was your writing process like? Like, how was that for you? Was it was it hot at times? Was it fun at times? Was it was it a mixed bag? Or was it, you know, pretty like therapeutic the entire way through? This one was quite hard, actually. Um, the storyline itself kind of just spilled out of me. I think I knew how this was going to go roughly. I'm a discovery writer, so I don't plot um, plan my books at all I know I have a an opening scene I, I can see it in my head and I start writing that so I just start with my opening scene and then and then I go from there and what happens happens oh a discovery writer I love that I've ne- it's interesting because so many people are like do you outline do you do this I don't I've never outlined a book in my life I just write there you go. You're a discovery writer. Other people call it, you know, pantsing, which is a slightly less, <laughs> slightly less ah. nice, slightly not as nice way of putting it. But it's essentially <laughs> the same thing. Um, yeah, I don't have I, I, I have a kind of idea of where I want to be in the middle and then where I want the story to end. So I know that I want there to be a happy ending of some description. Um, mm-hmm. But everything between from beginning to middle and middle to end is just comes as naturally um which has its good points and its bad points um i've written all my books that way and particularly the first book i read i wrote i went in all sorts of different directions with that that took a long time to write which is normal and natural it was my my first um book by the time i got to more than enough i i have a more instinctive um feel for um story structure now and what I'm aiming towards and what I need to happen at a certain point to build that tension so it did come easier but I had a lot of um uh when after it came back from the editor then I had a lot of hard work to do then I had to um shape it a lot more I had to add in the husband's character um as a point of view character just to give some diversity to the story and a different um a different voice to the story so i had to create this whole new character and and, and it was needed as well but that was hard mm-hmm. that was hard but um but for for this particular story yeah the story came really really easily i knew what i wanted to kind of say about this um the difficulty was trying not to make her out to be get to get that balance between her uh you know she's she's making bad choices but I didn't want the reader to think she's a bad person and then for the choices she makes to feel natural and um, both the bad ones and the good ones um 
but uh, but no, this one was quite quite easy to read to to write actually. Mm. And that's so it's nice to hear because I know sometimes it can be a struggle, and you know other times it kind of comes fairly easy. So that's really good. So would you say like since you had to create another character kind of in the in the middle of all this, how long would you say it probably took? your process from when you started to write to when it was to when you got like your publishing date it took a while the writing the first draft so I um when we're when the kids are not home and I'm not homeschooling I have a really good routine so I drop them off at school and then I go to a local cafe and I sit till from about nine till twelve and that's my writing time and sometimes I can fly through the the words and it's great and then other times it's really really um tricky and it takes me the whole kind of two and a half three hours to get it done but Mm -hmm. my aim is to write a chapter each day monday to friday and so doing that first draft as long as i've got a good feel for the story and the character then i can move through that quite quickly it then kind of slowed down a bit when I, I send it to the editor, wait for her to make her comments. And I confess with this one, <laughs> because she wanted me to add in this new point of view character. Oh, my goodness. I procrastinated a lot with that. And I just put it to one side and I left it and I wrote another I moved on to the next book because I needed some space. I didn't know how I was going to bring this guy in. Mm-hmm. And by the time I gave myself that space, then I had a I was able to go back to it with fresh eyes and then I was able to write it. So I added in, it probably took me an extra, mm, I'd say three months. Um, So all in all, it was probably six or seven months from start to finish. Well, that's, that's actually really good. That's amazing. It's still quite quick. Yes. Um, Mm -hmm. My books aren't very long. They're sort of between uh, 250, 300 pages. So slightly mm-hmm. um, shorter than a traditional. Um, but yeah, but I think it's by having that routine in place for me, having that routine. And now that I'm kind of further along in my writing life, I can sit down for two, two and a half hours and write for that length of time. Um, I couldn't always. That took me a long time to build up to that. Um, yeah. I had to kind of work that writing muscle, you know. But now that I can, now that I'm able to do it, and um, it's really helped my my writing process and it means I don't lose my thread as well that I can keep going I know where I was from the day before yes that's the most I think that's like the most important part when you're writing and then someone says one thing then all of a sudden you see everything you were just thinking about run out the window <laughs> yeah. and it's like no <laughs> yes. come back it, no where are you going <laughs> and, and I don't, unless you are around writers and you understand what that's like where it's gone I've heard people say well can't you just get it back? Did you see it run down the street? <laughs> no, I cannot get that back. It is gone. So um, switching gears for one second, I, before we um, wrap this up, I do want to talk a tiny bit about your book coaching. If you want to give a little blurb about that and then um, where we can find more information about that, because I think a book coach is amazing and necessary. Yes, it's absolutely um I think it's necessary. I have one. I use one and he's a, a godsend to me, really helps me, uh, you know, keep on track with everything. The the What I love about a book coach and being a book coach is it's not a lesson in craft. It's um, It's about motivation. It's about brainstorming. It's about strategy. It's about keeping you on track. It's about keeping you motivated so that you either get started get through that middle bit which we all know can be tricky and for a lot of people it's finishing finishing can be a real 
um, issue. And what always surprises me about this is it's not the writing of it that's the issue when it comes to finishing a book. It's the what happens next. Oh, my goodness, mm -hmm. if I actually finish this, then what do I do? Um, and the, all the kind of anxiety around will anybody like it? Will I find an agent, a publisher? What if I self-publish and nobody likes it? What if I get a bad review? All those kind of negative feelings we start having and that in itself can be enough to stop somebody finishing their, their novel. And um, so those are the kinds of things that a book coach can help with. And the reason I sort of say it's not about the craft is because I actually believe that you have the skills that you need to write a story you know, you are probably somebody who has been telling stories or writing or journaling or been interested in storytelling all of your life in various different ways. Mm -hmm. And you've absorbed it through osmosis almost. And so the, the skills are there. It's just through mm -hmm. the doing that they then get honed and they get practiced and they get improved. And so that's why a book coach doesn't necessarily focus on um, the craft of it, but really just helping you go from the beginning story idea through to the end. And it's more about kind of um, motivation, mindset, belief, self-belief, um, and then having someone to bounce ideas off of. Because writing, as we know, is a very, very solitary experience. But that doesn't mean that mm -hmm. we don't want company. It doesn't mean that we don't want to talk about our writing and we don't right. like engaging with other writers. Um we might like doing the actual writing by ourselves, but having someone there to talk about your work, your story, your characters, your dialogue, that's invaluable. Because no one no one else gets yes. it, do they? Our spouses and our friends, no. they're not interested. <laughs> no, they're literally not interested in, in anything. It's so funny. Yeah. It's it's true. Which is a big reason why I started this podcast was because I could not find anyone in my actual life that gives a crap about my characters <laughs> and wants to hear like you know what's going on they're just not interested in finding other people you can talk to I had met someone the, last week and we had talked about I'm um, holding each other accountable for finishing like you're saying the, the story and we gave each other a deadline and then the next day I was like hey um I'm sorry but I finished my book and she's like what <laughs> and I'm like I just went in there and I just, I finished it. I did everything I needed to do. And she's like, okay. <laughs> so it's so funny. And it's good to like find people like that. So mm -hmm. I think a book coach is absolutely brilliant. So one more question before we mm -hmm. go is last question is um, who did you dedicate your book to? This particular book was actually dedicated to my husband. Um, <laughs> for I mean just I, I I don't put a big dedication but um it just you know he's the one that's put up with me all these years he's the one that put up with my increased drinking he's the one who um lets me uh, get away with murder sometimes and is still here still mm -hmm. supporting me supporting me in my mm -hmm. fiction writing as well as in my sobriety um so it was definitely dedicated to him I love that that's so nice I'm so grateful that you have a person in your life that supports you in that mm -hmm. way because it's it's difficult for people to find someone like that. It people give up on others so easily, so quickly, so naturally that it's it's amazing that you found someone and I'm actually so happy to hear that. That's amazing. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's not easy. Marriage is not easy, but um but no. we're still here, so we're we're still going. <laughs> That's awesome. So, well, first off, I want to say congratulations to your three years. That is amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, it is. And 
you are so welcome. I hope you have some delicious cake for that <laughs> celebration. Cause I think if it weren't for cake, why do we do anything? Um, and then where can people find more about you and your book coaching and your book? The best place to go is just my website, which is emmadesi.com. And I'm mostly on Facebook. That's my main social media platform. And again, it's Emma Desi. You'll find me there. And I've got if I've got a, a Facebook group for writers, if you're interested. And that group is called Turning Readers into Writers. Oh, I love that. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today coming on my show. I am so happy to have met you and to come across you and like talk to you more, get to know you more and and let everyone know about your amazing book that I'm so excited about. And I hope the people who need to read this get their hands on it. Likewise. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed our conversation today. Thank you and have a great rest of your day. Take care. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. For more information on anything you heard from today's show, please visit www.kellysmithauthor.com.